Uh, if you have uh, your Bible, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 15 through 25, Genesis chapter 2, verse, uh, uh, verses 15 through 25. And again, so glad to see everybody here this morning, and Ignite and Bridge Band and all have just, I tell you what, it makes it easy to preach uh, after good singing. And after good music, amen. Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 15. Let us hear God's word. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. And I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. And he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning and for the inspiration of it. And now may it speak to our hearts and lives in such a way that we will be challenged, changed, and never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we are starting this new series kind of to go along with Valentine's Day. I uh, thought it was a good time to do a, a series on, relation, on relationships, and we're calling it the facts of life. Now, if you didn't know already that Valentine's actually came uh, from or was named after St. Valentine, who was a uh, Roman priest, and, and after the Roman Emperor Claudius demanded uh, that young soldiers could no longer married. I reckon he didn't want them distracted or whatever. But anyway, um, uh, St. Valentine started doing these marriage, uh, these marriage ceremonies in secret uh, for them. And then he got caught for that and imprisoned uh, because of it. And then also was later put to death. They didn't mess around those days. And he was put to death. But while he was in prison, uh, the Bible says, uh, or not the Bible says, but the uh, the, the, the tradition says there is that he fell in love with the jailer's daughter. 
and he started sending her little messages, little love notes, and he would uh, sign them, your Valentine. And that's how he would sign them whenever he was sending. And that's where we get the giving of Valentines on Valentine's Day from. We send those messages to others to let them know that we love them. And, and so this is sort of known as the season of love in a lot of different ways. And so we're going to look at relationships and marriage and, 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 and all. And, and we want everybody, that, uh, I mean, I think everybody uh, has to deal with some type of relationship. So no matter if you're married, if you're not married, if you're single, if you're, if you're single and want to be married, if you're married and don't want to be married, and if they're sitting beside you, do not look at them right now if that's you, okay? Do not, do not. But, but I mean, whatever it is, uh, you know, we have relationships all in, in our lives in different ways. We have relationships with our children, with our parents. We have relationships between siblings. There's relationships with co-workers, all these different things that we kind of, we have to deal with relationships. And so hopefully this will help you no matter where you're at in the relationship uh, category. And, and so, um, and so I, I thought, where is the best place to go to kind of just get us started in this series? And why not go to Genesis, which is in the Garden of Eden, where things are as they should be. Now, you got to understand that this was before the fall. These are, this was when things were the way they were supposed to be. And so we, do, should, we should look at this as the ideal. And remember, we want to live for the ideal, for what God has planned for us. That's what we want to strive for. We know we fail. We know we don't make it sometimes, but we at least should be striving for God's plan and design for us. And we see that in the Garden of Eden. And so looking at Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I think it's interesting that after that, he actually doesn't make Eve right away or a woman right away. He makes the animals. He, he makes all the animals and Adam gets to, he gets to uh, the, name all the animals and all the beasts of the field. Look at this. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Now, I will go ahead and admit, I know that there are a lot of people that love their animals more than they love some humans. Amen? There are that love their pets. I know that. And that's a, I, I know they're part of the family and everything like that. But still God said there was something else that he needed to make. Things are not done yet. And so here's what happens. Uh, it, it says there that um, God makes woman. Um, he takes a rib out of Adam. Adam falls into a deep sleep and he takes the rib out. And in fact, there's this story about this boy, little Johnny, and he was at church one time at Sunday school and he learned about uh, Adam falling asleep and they took a rib out of him and made Eve and everything. And so Johnny didn't want to do his chores after church and he was over there laying down and his mama went over there to him and said, Johnny, what in the world are you doing? He said, don't bother me. I think God's making a woman. <laughs> All right, and, and uh, so he was waiting for the rib to go out. So, he could, but anyway, he didn't want to be bothered. But he wanted to go into a deep sleep. Amen. But but the thing is, is that so, uh, and and whenever God makes woman, Adam sees Eve and breaks into song. 
I don't know about y'all, that means he was excited to see her. Amen? And and it says there, therefore, uh, it says there, and Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh and shall be called woman because because she was taken out of man. Now, the Hebrew actually makes this a little better. The Hebrew uh, word for man is ish. Y'all say that with me. Ready? Ish. And then the Hebrew... Uh, the Hebrew word for woman is Isha. Now, could y'all imagine Adam getting excited and singing Isha? Y'all say that with me. Ready? Isha. And, and all right, all right. So, so Adam breaks in the song. He's excited. He is, there's desire. There's joy. And then what happens there? For things to be made right, they get married. They get married. And for things to be made right and done in the right way, they get married. And look, listen to what it says there in verse 24 and 25. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. See, marriage is one. It's, it's a spiritual union that happens. It's not just a contract. I want you to hear that. It's not just a contract or just a a thing to do. It's a spiritual union. And that's why it's important. That's why it makes a difference. And and, and so Adam and and Eve, they're married and they become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now how cool was that? There was no shame. I mean, well, cool to be naked too and just hang around naked. But anyway, but, but also, but, but, but to have no shame. The no shame. See, you got to remember, shame did not come into the picture until sin came into the picture. And so there was no shame before between them once they had been spiritually joined together. Now, thinking about healthy marriages and things, uh, there's a few stats um, out there. Average age of people get married now is actually a little older, uh, 30.4 for men and 28.6 for women. So wait, now I got, I got married at 22, and, and I've known some people to get married even younger than that and all. And so it's definitely a little higher now. Uh, divorce rates are actually a little lower, um, uh, 9.7 new divorcees. Uh, per 1,000 people in 2009, and it's gone down to 7.6 in 2019. Many think, though, that that is because less people are getting married. More folks are just cohabitating and less are getting married, which is not a good thing. And so, uh, and, and then one others, just in case you wonder about that cohabitation thing and all, and, and, and if you say, oh, I'm cohabitating, we got four pastors that can help you take care of it, all right? And I've heard people say before, oh, well, we need to see if we can make it together and all this stuff. What? It's, it's not a used car to, drive, to do a test drive on, all right? No, marriage is marriage, and it's, there's something about that, amen? And, and so, 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 like I say, we got four pastors that can help you out there. But, but couples who cohabitate actually, uh, before they get married and then get married, are 1.31 times more likely to divorce than those that don't. Now, not trying to, you might say, ooh, we're, we're, we, no, no, we can help you. And, and, and we're going to talk about in this some ways to have a healthy marriage, all right? All right, so, so, need to understand that. So, we're going to look at some principles some biblical principles this morning. Biblical principles, because here's what principles do. Principles prevent us from having to do emergency praying. 
When we are following biblical principles, it will prevent us from emergency praying. Now, what I mean by this, a good example uh, uh, of something just practical in life is, you know, on a gas gauge, there's the F for full and the E is for empty. The E is not for enough, okay? The E is for empty. And, and, and so the E is for empty, and, and so that means that if it gets down towards empty, then what should we do? Get some gas. If we would follow that principle, then we would never find, our, find ourselves in a state of emergency praying. Lord, just get me to the gas station. I know, oh no, not another stoplight. Lord, just help me here. And so that's just an example. When we follow biblical principles, it saves us from emergency praying. And so we're going to look at some principles this morning, some healthy tip, helpful tips, practical tips for healthy marriage and relationships. All right? Number one is this. Encourage one another. Encourage one another. In all of our relationships, everybody needs encouragement. We all need encouragement, uh, everybody, especially in relationships. The next two weekends, we're going to talk about what kind of encouragement we need. Uh, next week, we're going to talk all about what, what men really want and, and, and all. And then the next week after that, we're going to talk about what women really want. Now, here's the thing. You want to be at both of those, no matter if you're a man or a woman. Because if you're a woman, you definitely want to hear about what men really need and what men really want. And then next week, if you are a man, you definitely want to hear about what women really need. All right? And so it's going to be all about those the next two weeks. But, but we need encouragement, and it's important to all relationships, not just marriages, not just boyfriend-girlfriend, not just, not just uh, families. We all need encouragement. Listen, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says it like this. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So, so let our, everything we say, doesn't mean there can't be constructive criticism sometimes, but we have to ask ourselves, if, is what I am saying both good and helpful? Good and helpful. And we need to know and we need to understand that. We, we need to be saying those things to each other. Two ways to encourage. Number one is this. If you think of something good, then say it. Don't hold it back. If you think of something good, then say it. How many of us, when we think of something bad, we, we let it go, right? We just let it fly. I mean, you know, oh, oh, you, you, I mean, you didn't do this or you didn't do that and, and all. And we just let it go. Well, what if we, when we think of something good, we don't hold back. We just say it. Just say it. And that's what we should be doing. We should be encouraging each other in that way. Uh, uh, think of something. If they look especially good today or whatever, then say it. Say, man, your hair looks good, your suit looks good, whatever. Say it. Make sure it's appropriate if that's not your spouse, okay? But anyway, um, don't, don't wait to say it. Uh, if, they did some, if they cooked good or helped in the kitchen or washed the dishes, and that can be man or female. Listen, I ain't trying to say one or the other does that or whatever, but, but either way, tell them thank you. Tell them they did a good job. Something else we need to tell each other is that we're proud of them. Let me tell you something. Tell your husband that you're proud of him. 
Tell your wife that you're proud of them. Tell your kids that you're proud of them. It makes a difference. Encourage one another. If you think of something good, then say it. Second part is this. If you think of something nice to do, then do it. Why not do it? If you think of something, oh, I see the dishes in there. Uh, the magic fairy, uh, dish fairy is not going to come by and wash them. And, and I might need to wash them, okay? And, and I'll do it. Or I might need to put them in a the dishwasher or whatever. I can do that and, and all. Or, or in, at our house, we, we get the clothes washed. We get them dried. And then sometimes we really, we get them folded after a while. But then putting them up is like this thing that I don't know what it is. We just like, none of us like to do it. So in our big living room, they're like piled and they're, they're already separated. And so you know what I've been doing the last couple of days? Little by little, I've been putting those things up because Valentine's Day is on its way. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, so it's just kind of, uh, and uh, but, but if you think of something nice to do, then do it. Folks, we need to encourage. Listen, this world is discouraging people left and right. The last people we should be getting discouragement from are the people who love us and that we love as well. And so let's encourage one another. Number two is this. Stop keeping score. Stop keeping score. How many folks just... It is so easy sometimes to keep score. Now, you know what keeping score means, don't you? Keeping score means that you keep up with all the good things that you do and you keep up with all the not-so-good things that the other person does. And then you remind them of it every time that you mess up. You want to remind them of the, and, and you keep score that way. Well, I've done this many good things. You've done that many bad things and vice versa and that kind of thing. And so we don't need to be keeping score. See, here's the thing. Look, look at what, whenever things were as they should be in Genesis, in verse 25, it says they were both naked, the man and the wife, and were not ashamed. There was no shame there. Listen, keeping score produces shame. Keeping score. Score produces shame because it's reminding somebody else of the shame they felt when they messed up. And it's reminding somebody else, whenever you're keeping up just with what you do that's good, it's in some way shaming that person for not doing what you're doing that's good and all of that. And it's just a cycle over and over. And that's not what God has for us. The last thing God wants for us is shame. And so we can't keep score. Here, I heard this uh, preacher that was, I mean, this counselor, this couple that were meeting with a counselor, and, and the guy, the, the husband just was like, yeah, and she did that, she did that, and I never did nothing like that, and everything. And finally, the counselor said, are you keeping score? And then finally, asked the guy, said, what if God kept score? Y'all think about that. What if God kept score? God doesn't keep score. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 31 verse 34 says this, For I will forgive their iniquity and their sin, and I will remember their sin I will remember no more. He doesn't keep score. And let me tell you something. If God, who is perfect and the righteous judge, does not have to keep score, then you and I who mess up on our own have no right to be keeping score on somebody else. Amen? And especially especially on the people that we love. Stop keeping score. And last is this. Allow God's love to fuel the love in our relationships. We need to allow God's love to fuel the love 
in our relationships. In other, I'm just going to tell you something. If you don't know it already, love is hard sometimes. Amen? Amen. Love is not easy. That's why love cannot be based on a feeling. Because there's going to be times you don't feel too much like loving. You don't feel like loving those that you're supposed to love. Love has to be a choice that goes beyond the feeling. Jesus doesn't love us for a feeling. Jesus loves us because that's what he has chosen to do. And with his love inside of us, it can help us love each other the way that we should. Listen, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 12 says this, Though one may be overpowered by another, two may can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I tell folks at premarital counseling, whenever I do that, and we're talking about them getting married, I say, listen, I know that you've heard before, like that old song, it takes two to make a thing go right. That's wrong. It takes, yes, it takes you and it takes you, but then it takes a whole lot of Jesus. It takes a whole lot of Jesus, folks. We need Him to be that third chord because sometimes it is hard to love one another. Now, I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you, since I was young, I've had a lot of teeth. I mean, a lot of teeth in this mouth. And I, I used to go dove hunting, and my cousin would say, Tim, whatever you do, don't smile uh, as the dove's coming over because, I mean, they're just going to see the reflection and go the other way or whatever. And, and, all, and I mean, because I had teeth, and whenever I had braces, Lord, it was bright and shiny. But anyway, but, 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 but even, even though they backed them up some and all, I still have a lot of teeth. Now, when you have a lot of teeth, which this is going to come in handy later, because I'm going to be able to eat what I'm going to be able to eat steak late in life. Amen. When some people just, mm, 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 you know what I mean. But anyway, uh, getting the mashed potatoes in, I'm going to be eating some steak. But but the thing, but but um, but here's the thing: is that when you have a lot of teeth and you eat cereal or potato chips or things like that, sometimes you tend to crunch really loud. So I have to watch myself. Even with my mouth closed, I'll still be crunching because I mean, it has nowhere to go in there without a tooth crunching it, all right? And, and so, and, and I'll just go ahead and tell you, there's sometimes that me and Tina sitting on the couch and we're watching something and she can't even hear what it's saying because of the crunching. I don't realize I'm doing it. And all of a sudden, I can feel the vibes. I can feel the hostility looking over at me. It takes a lot of Jesus for her to love me through my crunching. Amen? And folks, there's going to be things that people do. There's going to be things that we get hurt by. Maybe you've been hurt in a bad way in a relationship and maybe, or a divorce or something like that. But still, we need the love of God to help us love others. You'll need to love it. Listen, we bring so much into marriages. I mean, we don't just, it's not just a clean slate whenever we, we bring so much into marriages. If there's daddy issues, we bring it into marriages. If there's mama issues, we bring it into marriages. If there's hurt or abuse from a previous relationship or from something that happened as a child, we bring it into marriages. All those things we bring in. So we need the love of God to help us and fuel our love for one another. I'll close with this, you know. The late Bill Henson used to would tell a story about his, his, his daughter, his oldest daughter, that um, had a, 
uh, several grand, he, had, he had several grandchildren. His oldest daughter had one of the big SUVs. My wife has one. Watch out, she'll run over you. But anyway, the, uh, and, and, and had these, this big SUV, and, you know, they were doing soccer and sports and all this other stuff, and, and, and he said they would just throw stuff down in it. And there, he said he was surprised there was a penicillin uh, growing in there and all. There were bags from old uh, fast food restaurants and all. And he said as they, were, as they were going, he said one day she just, she had gotten in the car and said, this thing is so dirty on the outside, I'm going to run it through a car wash. And as they got ready to go, her, little, her youngest child looked around inside and said, Mama, we don't have an outside problem. We have an inside problem. And you know, and that's what we want for God to begin to take care of so that our outside relationships will be what they need to be. We need God to take care of the inside problem that we have. All that stuff that we bring into relationships, we need God to begin to heal it. And that's what I pray that happens today. I pray that we will just begin to let the love of God flow in our lives so that it can flow outward into those relationships that need a touch. If you're here this morning, maybe today's the day that you, you invite Jesus to just begin healing, to begin working on the inside so that we can love those on the outside. And so we pray that that will begin to happen this morning. Let's start practicing these principles in our relationships each day that we can. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you, God. We love you. And Lord, maybe there's some folks here that relationship has been a tough, tough thing. Maybe there's folks that are thinking about marriage or thinking about beginning a relationship, but for whatever reason, the things that are being brought in are so hurtful. Lord, I pray that you begin to heal those things today. Lord, I pray for relationships that are hurting right now. Whether it's a marriage or whether it's a relationship within a family, whatever it may be, God, Lord, I pray right now, Lord, that you just send the healing power to those relationships. There may be some folks that think that their, that their marriage is over. Lord, it doesn't have to be. And Lord, just begin to do what they may not even be able to think is possible. Let your love flow through them and fuel the love in that relationship. Lord, maybe there's somebody that just simply needs to say, Lord, today I'm going to start following you so that I can get the inside right. So then my relationships will be what they need to be. Lord, if that's any of us here this morning, God, just let us say yes to you. And let us let you work in our lives. In Jesus' name.